As a part of our AM Chronicle regional outreach, in this episode of AM Infocast, we move to Singapore, which is quickly establishing itself as a hub for additive manufacturing in the APAC region, with conducive policy environment and a serious technological push. To dive deeper into the evolution of additive manufacturing in Singapore, it is our pleasure to be joined by Dr. Cho Sing Ho, Managing Director, National Additive Manufacturing Innovation Cluster, or commonly known as NAMIC. NAMIC is a national platform initiative in Singapore led by Intuitive and supported by the National Research Foundation under the Prime Minister's Office. In partnership with Enter- Enterprise Singapore, Singapore Economic Development Board and ASTAR. Join the conversation to see how this island nation is adopting AIM at lightning pace. So Dr. Ho, it's great to have you on AIM in Focus today. Thank you, Aditya. Great to be here. So Dr. you come from a you know diverse background of electronics, inkjet and academics. You know, to start off this conversation, would be great to know a bit about your additive manufacturing journey. Yeah, as you have alluded, uh, I've done various roles over the years, but I actually only have worked for three organizations, including the current one. So I actually started uh, my career as a process integration engineer in, in the semiconductor wave foundry business and later joined uh, HP uh, overseeing their business operations. Uh, the common thing, if I'm to connect the dots among these two roles, actually is in manufacturing, be it semiconductor chips or, or inject printing solutions that I was doing in HP. And if I think further back, uh, my first exposure to manufacturing was actually helping out part-time in my father's furniture business in the late 1980s and early 1990s when I was still in school. As far as additive manufacturing is concerned, uh, this really started when I was in HP in a, in a 2011 to 12 period. We were actually at the time exploring uh, different innovations for new businesses and 3D printing was one of them. The idea was actually put into cold storage uh, for a few years uh, before it was actually revived in 2014, 2015. Sometime in the mid 2015, I was actually approached by Dr. Lim Joy, who is now their SG Innovate CEO to uh, start this office. Uh, back then, even though I was in a comfortable job, in some ways I had a, some kind of a early midlife crisis. You know, I wanted to new, I wanted to do something that was more impactful than at a societal level. So I know that in some ways this was a no-brainer, even though I had to start something from scratch. As what uh, Steve Jobs had said in his famous uh, commences speech at uh, Stanford about connecting dots in, in, in your life. So, you know, you have to trust something in your, in your gut, in your destiny and life and karma whatsoever. And this is something that I also, um, you know, in, in a lot of ways uh, approach in, in some of these major uh, life decisions. So, Dr. Ho, moving on to NAMIC. So, can you share some insights about the journey of creation of NAMIC and how the AM market evolved in Singapore? What challenges did you overcome in driving AM adoption in Singapore? Yes, absolutely. Um, the idea of NAMIC came about largely due to the uh, early foresight of the Singapore government to invest in AM R&D between 2010 to 2015. And I did mention earlier that, you know, my ex-boss, Dr. Lim Jae, who is now SGI CEO, uh, wanted to find a way to harness all these early R&D infrastructure investments uh, in all these AM centers of excellence and try to turn all these research activities into some tangible economic outcomes. Uh, we are a small island state, so it makes a lot of sense to have a neutral body to coordinate the activities and not duplicate. And that was the primary mission for NAMIC. I was brought in as uh, employee number one uh, to bring an outside-in perspective uh, to the initiative. Uh, since I had no history and baggage uh, in the public sector. Uh, on the challenges, uh, just like anything else, uh, uh, I think getting 
different organizations uh, to work together. In this case, uh, mostly the public funded universities and research institutes uh, to work together under common framework was actually initially a major undertaking because this was a very, even though I think on the idea level, people understand, but I think to, to actually make it happen is a totally different, you know, different uh, level. And uh, I think from, from day one, it was clear to me that people was the key. So we doubled down to put together a cluster leadership, uh, like-minded individuals from our three main universities, in this case, uh, NUS, NTU, SUT, to work through the differences with a common mission. Uh, the next part, of course, is to create a team uh, in my office, which was chartered to oversee the strategy and outreach activities. And it was not easy recruiting because uh, we had to obviously find people with the right to public-private mind, mindset, but I was fortunate enough to bring in some of my ex-colleagues from uh, my previous uh, companies from Chartered Semiconductor as well from HP to work with. Uh, one of the other obstacle was and challenge was the lack of an enterprise ecosystem in the early days. So we had something like uh, less than 20 companies when we first started in 2015. So we had a develop a, a goal with Singapore Economic Development Board, as well as Enterprise Singapore, to chart a path forward where, you know, we, we, we needed to identify, you know, across the entire value chain of EM, what type of businesses, you know, we needed to, to uh, start, as well as even to bring in from other countries. Uh, to date, I think we have, uh, in some ways, been progressing very rapidly uh, from that less than 20 companies. We now have more than 170 companies in Singapore. In some ways, still too small to be considered to be an industry on its own, uh, but I would say we're, we're making uh, good progress. Uh, we have focused a lot also on startups and as well spinning off companies, promising companies from uh, the universities set up, you know, whether they are developing the technology as a technology service provider or using the technology for product innovation. And, and I think uh, startup was a very key focus for us. Uh, we've actually also looked into working with startups from overseas and establishing some business presence in Singapore itself. Yeah, that's great. And But with your past few years, how has the 3D printing ecosystem developed? And you know, what are the current challenges still faced by the industry to move ahead? Yeah, the, the 3D printing ecosystem, well, I would say we, we looked at this from more, more from a sectorial perspective. So from day one, we, we had decided that given the, the unique challenges that every sector face, and we know that this is a very much potentially transformative technology that could help businesses pivot up the value chain. So we decided that we had to develop sectorial level uh, initiatives to help grow the ecosystem itself. So the initial focus was on strategic sectors that is in some ways indigenous to uh, Singapore. These include the maritime marine offshore space, as well as the aviation MRO. Of course, I think, as you would know, the uh, aviation industry has uh, suffered uh, quite badly in during this COVID pandemic. So a lot of the plans that we have developed actually has uh, in some ways been delayed. But the one that actually has making good traction is in the maritime marine offshore. In, in some ways, we have been successful to create this entire value chain of both OEMs to these solution providers, as well as even the test certification companies, such as the class, classification societies, which are essential to uh, certify parts for EM. And also, in more importantly, to develop this uh, ecosystem of end users in shipping companies. And this is something that uh, we have at, at, at least scaled up using the consortia approach. So we now have somewhere in the ballpark of 40 companies 
across this uh, different value chain of AM to uh, developing parts, uh, design parts, redesign parts for AM, as well as actually uh, deploying parts uh, in the ships for field trials. The biomedical space uh, also has, uh, in some ways, progressed. In some ways, not exactly the same rate, but we have been successful in to develop a group of like-minded clinicians uh, in the hospital groups to adopt some of these uh, solutions, ranging from the uh, dental space, which we now see as the fastest growing biomedical application in AM, to the pre-surgical models, uh, surgical guides, and even implants. So uh, we are working with various orthopedics as well as other uh, pediatrics domain uh, specialists to basically develop solutions using AM that can actually help improve patient outcomes. The regulatory space is also an area that you know has been, in some ways, we've made some good progress in that sense that we have now developed 3D printing guidelines together with the Health Science Authority of Singapore, the equivalent of what the U.S. have in, in FDA, which actually helps to provide uh, at least the, um, the regulatory, uh, in some ways, endorsement uh, 3D printed medical supplies for, for the Singapore market. So these are things that we, we feel um, are actually progressing quite well. Of course, there are still a lot of the opportunities that we feel that can be built further. Because if you look at the whole industry itself, the size of the market, it's approximately less than 0.1% of the total manufacturing output uh, globally, which is something like estimated about 14 trillion without accounting for the pandemic impact. So that's only about 12 to 13 billion in terms of the actual AM products and solutions that's been, that's been, you know, that's been realized in the last one year. Uh, we think these uh, numbers will, will go up, but along the way, there will be some, still the challenges of justifying the economics uh, for adoption, as well as how do you actually scale, given that the, the, the investment cost is not trivial. Well, that, that's a great review of different industries and uh, you know, areas of end-user industries which are adopting additive manufacturing in Singapore. So considering this journey or, or the growth of you know, AM in Singapore, what are the new initiatives which NAMIC is focusing on currently and uh, in the near future? Yeah, it's a very uh, timely question. We are, we just in fact uh, finished, completed the uh, planning cycle for our next five years. And of course, as you know, the industry itself, the changes are actually pretty uh, volatile and we expect this to be the case uh, moving forward in the next few years. So we're making these plans with the, with the mindset that, uh, you know, we will make adjustment as needed, you know, depending on market changes. The three areas that I would say we will broadly classify the, the focus is uh, first in the biomedical space, second in the industrial space, and third is more on the industry sector specific needs uh, that I, I kind of mentioned earlier that for sectors that are, of course, uh, strategic to Singapore. So in the biomedical area, we, we are actually extremely uh, uh, keen to push forward in stretching the applications towards uh, bioprinting, more towards tissue engineering, as well as even organoids uh, 3D printing. Uh, this, area, this is an area that it's in very much in line with a lot of the push for personalized medicine and, of course, in, in to, to help you know, achieve better patient outcomes, whether it's to develop better drugs that's personalized to an individual or to a much better fit in terms of custom, customized implants for, for patients that require that. We are also quite bullish on some of these new areas in agri-tech or urban agriculture uh, technologies like uh, 3D printed alternative proteins 
there's been number of initiatives in this space in the world, especially, in, I think just to name a couple in Israel, you have the uh, redefined meat that's doing uh, 3D printed uh, meat and steak. In Singapore, we have uh, Shok meat, which does uh, basically seafood that is, uh, in fact, uh, cultured uh, using cellular agriculture. Um, so these are some of the areas that we think 3D printing has a very important role to diversify uh, from our traditional agriculture um, process which is in some ways uh, very limited in Singapore because of our limited uh, land and resources. Uh, in the industrial space, there are still a few key areas that we think still are, are considered gaps to really make this technology mainstream. And one of it, which is I think for the AM uh, industry, we need to create this more integrated process workflows, including the design stage uh, all the way through to fabrication. So today there's, of course, very various solutions, but uh, you know, from whether you're talking about CAD design or simulation or doing uh, some of these generative, generative design using software, but these are incentives, in most cases are quite disparate softwares. So it's important for us to figure out uh, as an industry how to create these whole standardized workflow that you don't have to you know, use multiple software just to get a design completed. And the fabrication process, much as is proved in terms of the speed and in some ways that leads to lower costs, the post-processing is still an issue. So in terms of, for example, like support structure removals and even depowdering process, these are still highly manual. And I think it's areas that we, you know, if we want to really push this towards mainstream manufacturing, we do need to figure out a way to automate these uh, process much more. In the third area on the industry specific uh, sectors, um, you know, the needs, uh, I would say uh, the, the standards and the testing and the certification, we need to have better ways to predict the quality of uh, AM parts. This is something that we have from discussions we've had with various stakeholders, especially in the aviation space. We know that this is one of the impediments to to more um, what I call a wide-scale adoption. Right now, doing qualification is very painful uh, because it's doing, done by parts as opposed to by process. Now, can we actually utilize digital modeling uh, or digital twins to, to provide additional data set to, uh, to predict quality as opposed to just monitoring the uh, parts using some of these non-destructive uh, evaluation techniques? So these are areas that I think, you know, if we can figure out a way to better integrate, automate the design workflow to the fabrication, including post-processing and having this clarity to, you know, getting parts to end users that are good quality without defects and, you know, allowing manufacturers to be able to do this in a very cost-effective way. I think these are ways that would in some ways push the industry forward in a, in a lot of ways in the next few years. These are some great, uh, you know, points made and I'm, I'm sure this is not going to impact just Singapore, but it's going to elevate the whole region in terms of, you know, these activities. How would you describe, you know, the association NAMIC would have with the region? You know, how, how would it be the engine of growth for AM in the whole region? Yeah, that's a great question, actually. Um, it's something that I, I spend a lot of time thinking, given the fact that we, you know, obviously being in Singapore, the, the market is very, very, uh, in some ways, limited relative to the world. It's very clear to us, even from when we first started this office, that to, to make this more pervasive, we in some ways we have to uh, support and, and permeate these uh, benefits of 3D printing, right? And share some of these learnings and create this awareness in our neighboring countries as well. 
not to be overly ambitious, of course, we, we do a lot of reach outs uh, and uh, ecosystem building with partners like AMTAC. You know, in Asia, we have in China itself, we do work with some association, industry associations that are very specific to 3D printing. But I think a lot more can be done to really reach down to the uh, grassroots level, you know, beyond just the associations. Uh, we see the same challenge even in Singapore, you know, working with various industry sectors, especially the trade associations, right? It's very, a lot of the use cases are in some ways relatively unique. The business model itself that can be enabled with this technology, of course, in, in most cases, if you can actually uh, realize a cost reduction or productivity improvement, that language actually uh, is quite common, irrespective of whatever business. And of course, the end, end consumers or the end customers must be able to reap the benefits of that. So this is something that we need to, I would say there's a, still a very much a need to create this educational awareness uh, platforms, whether it's through the annual conferences that we you know, organize or we, you know, we, we have to be more on the engaged at the grassroots level in these various countries, especially in the ASEAN region, to at least create more uh, similar like-minded ecosystem. And, and by that, it means that more end customers understand the benefit of this and therefore there'll be more adoption uh, of this technology. So that's some, the end, the end demand uh, generation is something very much, you know, I would say it's a, it's a key focus for us beyond uh, just the, of course, the cell site uh, ecosystem development that we have been doing in the last few years. That's great. Thank you. It has been a great conversation with you, Dr. Ho, and it's, it's a real great holistic approach that NAMIC is taking. And we look forward to you know, collaborating and cooperating with you and look to see how we can adopt or advance additive manufacturing in this region. Thank you, Editor. Casual is mine. Thank you for tuning in for this episode of AM Infocast powered by AM Chronicle. We look forward to seeing you in the next episode.